The letter arrived at the Los Angeles Department of Water and Power in early September, but we also saw a similar letter cropping up at other public agencies. And the letter warned that forcing an employee at the LADWP to wear a mask, get tested, or be vaccinated against COVID would be, quote, an affront to a Christian and a violation of federal laws that ban religious discrimination. This letter and others like it have become must-have tools for California public employees who don't want to take the COVID-19 vaccine. The document looks and sounds very official. It was signed by um, someone who describes himself as the pastor of True Hope Ministry. A veritable cottage industry has sprung up to help employees fight workplace mandates, using religious freedom as their shield. It can be purchased online for $195 as part of a vaccine exemption concierge program. I'm Gustavo Ariano. You're listening to The Times, daily news from the LA Times. It's Monday, February 28th, 2022. Today, my colleagues Lara J. Nelson and Connor Sheets bring us their investigation into this murky world. They look into what constitutes a deeply held religious belief, how those beliefs can play out in the workplace, and what employers can do about questionable religious exemption requests. Laura, Connor, welcome to The Times. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Laura, how did this investigation begin? Well, I've been covering vaccine issues for the better part of a year, kind of off and on, starting around the time that the vaccine was first brought to market in California. We're fighting for government intrusion into someone's ability to choose whether or not they need to be vaccinated. Following its distribution and then kind of the rise of these exemption policies and how different workplaces are handling issues of the vaccine. The New York City mayor's office says more than a thousand workers who failed to comply with the city's COVID-19 vaccine mandate have been fired. We shouldn't be told that we're going to lose our jobs, that we're going to lose our our, our freedoms that our children aren't going to be able to go to school. Stand up and stop these mandates. And I learned about this organization called True Hope Ministry and the people who run it, David and Peggy Hall, through other stories that we've done. Hey, friends, it's Peggy Hall here, and I am back with Peggy to the rescue. Peggy is a vocal anti-mask advocate in Orange County, and she runs a website with her husband that has classes and consulting packages that teach people how to avoid mask and vaccine mandates. And she's also prolific on YouTube and on Facebook Live. Friends, let's talk about the five steps you need to do in order to get your religious exemptions. You can download this flyer. She gives detailed step-by-step instructions on how employees can request an exemption from vaccine mandates for religious reasons, like invoking your federal rights. Just like you cannot require a Muslim to remove her veil and you cannot require a Sikh to remove his turban, you cannot force me to not breathe. And requesting reasonable accommodation. Do not accept unpaid leave as an accommodation. It's not an accommodation. Peggy has dozens of videos like this. She's not a lawyer, but she walks people through the legal protections that are in place, including federal anti-discrimination laws that can help them avoid vaccine mandates in their workplaces. So wait, uh, this woman helps people prepare their religious exemption letters in order to avoid these vaccine requirements, and she does this all via a YouTube channel? 
Yeah, on YouTube and on her website. Her website sells these consulting packages that teach people how to get a religious exemption from the vaccine. There's one option that includes access to a weekly call where people can ask questions about their own situations at work, and that costs $195. There's also a package that promises a private 20-minute phone call with Peggy and her husband, and that costs $495. And people who buy those consulting packages get access to a letter from this organization called True Hope Ministry that they can submit to their employees explaining that their religious beliefs don't allow them to take the vaccine. And that letter is signed by Peggy's husband, David Hall, who describes himself as a pastor. When I asked him where he was ordained, he said he was, quote, ordained by the Holy Spirit under the authority of Jesus Christ. The True Hope Ministry letter is not available for free online, but there are others that are. I mean, there's churches and nonprofit legal groups that share sample letters um, online for people to copy, and employees copy and paste these messages and submit them in their workplaces. And those are spread through word of mouth, on Facebook, and on Telegram, the Messenger app, among people who are trying to find ways to get out of vaccine mandates. So, Connor, these letters get sent to different employers all over the place. Which employers did you and Laura decide to investigate? So we uh, submitted records requests for more than 20 public agencies across California. And we chose public agencies because they're subject to public records request law. And we looked for communications from employees seeking religious exemptions and communications between the employees and their employers. And uh, we reached out to major universities, fire departments, law enforcement agencies, and other agencies throughout Southern California and beyond. We received 2,200 documents, over 2,200 documents in response. We could see what people stated in their exemption requests, but we couldn't see their names, in some cases their positions. But we were able to see what people were telling their employers about their religious beliefs. So really, this was a way to peel back the curtain and see how this whole system works. What we found was broadly across all these different agencies, there's a critical mass of people requesting exemptions. Some agencies, including the Orange County Sheriff's Office, almost half the people were required to be vaccinated, had requested um, religious exemptions. Some people personally expressed their own religious beliefs. Some people clearly use their own language, use their own wording to do so. But a large percentage of these requests included language that was either downloaded off the internet or excerpted from online materials. Several letters that we reviewed included statements identical to those on the website of Defending the Republic, a Texas group led by Sidney Powell, a conspiracy theorist and lawyer connected to former President Trump. And some letters, including the one from True Hope Ministry, included inaccurate information and raised concerns about the vaccine that were not related to religion. For instance, they had heard that it could have negative impacts on their health or other erroneous concerns. And others were written by pastors who have online congregations and they would claim these some of these people as members of their congregations, whether or not there was really any direct link between them prior to the obtaining of the exemption. Experts have said that because the protections of this law are expansive, this system is also ripe for abuse. It's really difficult to prove whether someone who's requesting a vaccine exemption is lying. And there are some employers that are the exception to this rule and you know are kind of taking a deeper look at what employees are saying. But many companies and the public employers that we looked at, some of them are not willing to take the time or the effort or risk the possibility of a lawsuit to really dig into these claims that our employees are making and determine whether or not they're valid. 
We'll be right back. Connor, Laura, before the break, the both of you were talking about requests by some California public employees to exempt themselves from COVID-19 vaccine mandates, and they were using religion as their shield. How do employers vet these claims? Well, it's a delicate and complicated process. People who are seeking an exemption from a vaccine policy on religious grounds are protected under the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which is a landmark piece of civil rights legislation that prohibits discrimination on the basis of several factors, race, color, religion, sex, or national origin. And that law and the courts have held that employers are generally supposed to believe that when an employee requests something like this, it's stemming from a sincerely held religious belief. But employers can ask some questions. I mean, it's not a guarantee that every employee requesting an exemption will be approved, especially if there's something about the religious exemption request that seems kind of off. Like, for example, if an employee already tried to get out of vaccination for a reason that was not based on religion. So the employer can ask things in that situation like, how long have you had this belief? And why does this belief that you hold conflict with the policy that we're putting in place? So let's say someone claims a sincere religious exemption and the employer accepts it. What's supposed to happen then, Connor? So there's really two possibilities. First, the workplace can come up with an alternative plan that, you know, works within their religious belief system, but still aims to keep the worker and their co-workers in the workplace safe. For example, uh, in a lot of these instances, people who obtained religious exemptions were able to, instead of taking the vaccine, they were able to, you know, wear a mask and get tested every week. But accommodations aren't guaranteed. Workplaces are not required to offer one under certain circumstances, specifically if it would constitute a, quote, undue burden on the workplace, then, uh, you know, they're not required to accommodate those exemptions requests. And the bar for an undue burden is pretty low. If it were to go to court, the employer has to show that it would have constituted an undue burden on the workplace. That comes down to if it costs them money and or risk or harm to other employees or people in the workplace. For instance, an example where this would be a particular issue is in a place like a nursing home or a hospital where someone not being vaccinated could pose a risk to the health of other employees or patients. So from an employer's perspective, then what happens if they turn down a vaccination request from one of their employees? Turning down a vaccination request is a fraught situation because there's always the threat of a a looming lawsuit. You know, there's groups that have been cropping up that have taken on the burden of offering legal support to people who've been denied vaccination accommodation requests. For employers, avoiding lawsuits is is a huge concern because the litigation over a a First Amendment or a, a Civil Rights Act claim can go on for years and be very expensive. So what we're seeing a lot of the time is employers just saying, why don't we just approve requests that are at least on their face somewhat realistic, some that we, they appear to have sincerely held beliefs. Yeah. And let me just add, we interviewed an employment lawyer in California who is working on reviewing exemption cases for corporate clients in the state. And she said she recently reviewed one case involving an employee who'd requested an exemption from the vaccine for religious reasons, but was posting on social media also about the importance of resisting vaccine mandates and standing up for individual freedom and some of these kind of non-religious political talking points that have been common around the COVID vaccine. But that person also had sprinkled in some posts about religion. And even though those posts didn't specifically allude to the vaccine, it made the lawyer kind of think about it more carefully. And she cautioned the employer to tread carefully and told me that, quote, for every 10 people who are abusing this system, 
there is going to be someone who has a sincerely held religious belief. Yeah, so what Laura was saying is true, um, but at the same time, just because you're using language downloaded off the internet or that you're using language that you've obtained from a, a, a pastor, that doesn't mean that you're that you don't actually believe whole beliefs that are a counter with uh, vaccination. If you were to go to a doctor and you tell them you have pain and you think you need something to help with your pain, a doctor is going to be able to see what's actually going on. They're able to articulate that better, able to tell you what you need to do to address that pain in a way that you might not be able to. So just because you're unable to clearly state your own religious beliefs and you'd prefer to go to someone who's a professional trained in that doesn't mean that you don't actually hold those beliefs. Yeah, it just seems that it's a system that's rife for abuse to the point where folks are using that religious exemption clause that protected by the federal government. And that clause seems pretty easy to abuse. So, Laura, why do we have it? It's true that it's easy to abuse. And we did hear that from experts. The difficulty is just that it's hard to pin down each individual claim. What about it? is a lie and what about it is true. But, you know, all these people submitting requests seeking religious protections, they are asking for accommodation under federal anti-discrimination laws, which are designed to protect people who are at risk of being persecuted or fired based on their identity or their beliefs. So the same clause that protects accommodation for religious beliefs also protects against discrimination for workers on the basis of race, color, religion, sex, and national origin. And that can come up in a lot of non-vaccine circumstances. For example, if you belong to a religion that holds a certain day holy where you aren't supposed to work and your manager schedules you to work on that day, you would have protection under the Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, seeking accommodation so that you don't have to violate your beliefs by working on a day that your religion holds holy. Or if you're required to wear a certain type of clothing to work or a uniform that, for example, does not allow you to cover your head and you belong to a religion that requires that men or women wear a special type of head covering, you can seek protection under this law. So it provides a lot of vast protection, really, for people whose beliefs could be in conflict with what they do for work. And it's one of the things that America has more robust religious protections than many other countries, and that's this legislation specifically. Yeah. Is there even a viable way to allow for sincerely held exemptions a way to push away the people who are just gaming the system and at the same time just trying to protect public health. We should say that there are some employers who are kind of jumping into this and rolling up their sleeves more, especially in the healthcare sector, where it's very important that doctors, nurses, other people who work with people who are either sick or at high risk are themselves vaccinated and protected against COVID. There are some hospitals that are using panels of theologians and doctors and experts to actually parse their employees' requests for exemption from the vaccine and have more of a kind of interactive conversation with them about their belief system and what they think conflicts. Some of these hospitals have said that this is actually an educational moment for some people, that some employees maybe believe something that isn't true and think that the vaccine conflicts with a belief that they hold and then later learn that it's actually based on misinformation and that they can, in fact, be vaccinated. Kaiser Permanente, the gigantic healthcare system, has denied some requests from healthcare workers who 
what they had written and, and said in their vaccine exemption request was insincere. They said that they'd become aware, just like the story that we just wrote, that some people were using you know, similar or nearly identical requests that had been taken from templates online and that, that Kaiser has denied some of those requests. So it's not a guarantee. There are many shades of gray and it just depends on how willing the employer is to risk litigation or maybe just an ugly entanglement with an employee versus granting all of these requests wholesale. We should say that, you know, these groups that we've mentioned, we're not aware of any fraud charges that have been filed against them. Many of them say that they're providing free help uh, the way that a legal aid bureau would to people who are seeking expert advice and that they don't see these actions, you know, providing form letters, providing sample language as improper in any way. Right. And this whole situation of the vaccination mandate is kind of an introduction to, you know, how expansive religious protections are for people uh, in especially public employees, but also in, in private employers. Religious exemptions are not limited to vaccination or things related to COVID or anything like that. I mean, these issues of religious accommodation and people wanting exemptions from things that happen in their employment because of religious reasons have gone to the Supreme Court. They've gone to other high courts. Um, there's the case of the bakery in Colorado that didn't want to sell cakes to LGBTQ people. There's the case of multiple cases of pharmacists who didn't want to sell certain medication that, you know, for instance, emergency birth control, citing their religion as the reason for not doing that. And, you know, there's a question in our society of how much do we want to just kind of give deference to people's stated beliefs? And, you know, I think one of the founding principles of the United States, you know, of America is religious freedom. And I think that you have to decide, you know, do we want to err on the side of granting more accommodation and respecting people's beliefs and, and just sort of believing them? Or do we want to say, do we want to be in the business of having bureaucrats at various agencies deciding what whether what you believe is true? And, uh, you know, that's a question that I think is central to this topic. Connor, Laura, thank you so much for this interview. Thank you. Thank you. That's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Tomorrow, how America's gun problem has become Mexico's gun problem. Shannon Lynn was the hef on this episode, and our show is produced by Denise Guerra, Kasha Brasalian, Ashley Brown, and Angel Carreras. Our engineer is Mario Diaz. Our editor is Kinsey Moreland. Our executive producers are Hasmin Aguilera and Shawnee Hilton. And our theme music is by Andrew Eatbin. And by the way, we want to hear from you. We want your feedback all these months later, right? So call or text 619-800-0717. This is not a fun drive. We just want to hear from you. Tell us who you are, what you think about our show, the good, the bad, all of that. So thanks in advance. And I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back tomorrow with all the news in this month. Gracias. <laughs>